Welcome, welcome, welcome. Did everybody survive Hurricane Irma? Everybody's good? Everybody's alive? Fantastic, fantastic. Well, we're glad that you're here. Can we give it up for Josh real quick? Didn't Pastor Josh? Killed that. I wish I could sing. Like, that, like he just, man, it's so awesome. Like, his wife is, like, they're going to have more kids. Uh, so. That's why we put the PG-13 thing on there, because you just never know. But anyways, we're glad that you're here. Uh, how many of you guys have been here for a relationship series before? Raise your hands, raise your hands, raise them up high. So there's a lot of you that haven't. Well, you're in for, we don't really know. So it's going to be awesome, though. Uh, we love talking about relationships. We have a blast here, because uh, I think relationships are from God. And so we're going to be kicking it off with this series called Mixtape, and um, I'm a product of the 80s and 90s. Anybody else product of the 80s and 90s? Like, that's your, yeah, like, so, uh, man, like, I, I just love that genre. Like, it was awesome and terrible at the same time. You know, the, the 80s clothes, the side ponytails, ladies, you guys remember that? The jelly bracelets going down, the oversized jean jackets that were like three sizes, too big, so you had to roll up like sleeves and everything. I mean, the 80s were unbelievable. And uh, one of the things that, like, how many of y'all had some British Knights back in the day? Anybody wear some British Knights sneakers back in the day? Saw a lot of people in the back. How about this? Any, anybody wear some L.A. gear? L.A. gear? Anybody got some L.A. gear? Yeah, those were the people that couldn't afford Jordans. And so, like, that's, like, that's how it was. You know, back in the day, I remember being a kid, going to school in the 80s. Going to school in the 80s was a little bit different. Uh, we had these things called lunch boxes that were actually, like, metal boxes. You guys remember that? Remember that? The kids today, they don't have a clue. It's like foam on top of foam. We had a metal box with a thermos inside. You guys remember that? And if, like, your mom was having a good morning, like, she'd make you a sandwich, put some cookies in there, then fill up their thermos with some Kool-Aid with, like, way too much sugar. Like, it would just be, like, kind of like where I'm at right now. And then if she was having a bad day, you got, like, some chicken noodle soup, and she's like, dang, take that. You know, it's like, that my mom must have been having a bad day that day. Um, Quick question, uh, how many of you all had a members-only jacket back in the day? Raise your hand. If you had a members-only jacket, I just want to see. You know what that tells me? You know what that tells me? It wasn't members-only. <laughs> just give it to everybody. I don't, what's up with that? I remember I had this, I had this light blue members-only jacket. Push the sleeves up. Don't know why to push the sleeves up other than Don Johnson did it. Made it cool. Some of you guys don't even know Don Johnson, but you should. We live in South Florida. Come on. <laughs> 80s were, were unbelievable. Uh, back in the day, video games. Anybody have an Atari back in the day? And some Atari fans? What button? The red one. You had like the one game, Pong or whatever, with the ball. Bing. It was like so, so crazy. It's like unbelievable graphics. And then Nintendo came out. You guys remember when Nintendo came out? Loved my Nintendo. You had to do some interesting things with Nintendo. You had to <laughs> blow the games out. They said you didn't have to do that, but we all know you did. Because it worked. Then when it stopped working, you stuffed the other game on top of it. My favorite thing about Nintendo was the gun. You remember the gun for Duck Hunt? See, kids don't even know today. I would take out my gun. I'd walk right up to the TV, find that duck, and go, Pah! What's up? Want none of this. Movies in the 80s, they were the best. So unrealistic. Terrible sound effects. Terrible graphics. If you ever go back and watch old movies, you're like, what were we thinking? Why do we think that Jaws was real? Like, why? 
One of my favorite movies of the 80s is Rocky. How many Rocky fans do we have out there? Some Rocky fans. How many have seen all six Rockies? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rocky 1 and 2, all about Apollo Creed. Nobody remembers Rocky 3, but Rocky 4. Rocky 4 was where it was at because that's where he fights the Russian. Come on now, everybody remembers the Russian. Ivan Drago, I must break you. Yeah, like you guys remember that. Remember? Apollo dies. Everybody's sad and Rocky's like, man, we got to do some justice here. He goes to Russia to fight the Russian. And listen, we hated Russians in the 80s. Listen, if you're a Russian, we love you. But in the 80s, we hated you. Why? Cold War. Nuclear. Didn't like you. You go, to, you go in, and Rocky has to train in Russia. And in Russia, Rocky has nothing. And, and Drago has everything. Drago's got the treadmill. When treadmills were cool, he's working the treadmill. Rocky is over there. He's flipping tires in the barn. He's just flipping tires. And Drago's over there. He's doing all these weight things. And Rocky is over here with an axe, chopping wood, chopping wood. Drago's over here. He's doing steroids. Because Russians had everything. Rocky, he's running up the side of mountains. You know what I discovered about Rocky? Rocky invented CrossFit. <laughs> you just go to Russia and have nothing. That's how you do CrossFit. Now we're paying hundreds of dollars for something we could do in our garage. But he taught you about overcoming. You didn't understand anything. He said, Adrian, that's it. That's all we got. The movies were awesome. Karate Kid. Anybody like some Karate Kid? Danielson takes on the Cobra Kai and Johnny. I wanted to be Johnny. So cool. He had a headband. What was, what was the kit that Danielson learned from Mr. Miyagi? What, what was that called? Anybody remember? The crate. Some guys are already like doing the motion. They're like, yeah, just go ahead. Just go ahead. Show it off. <laughs> Show it off. What did Mr. Miyagi say? He said, if do right, no can stop, which is bad English and not true. Because I promise you could just punch Danielson in the face and it would have been over with, but it's a movie. Loved it. Loved it. Loved, loved 80s music. How many of you guys like make Spotify playlists, have playlists, do all those kinds? Of, yeah, there's some people out there. You, you work out of some playlists and different things. Back in the day, we didn't have Spotify. We had mixtapes. We had mixtapes. And, and, and if you made a mixtape for somebody, that told somebody how much you loved them because mixtapes took work. You had to go to the store and buy a TDK tape of 90, 60, 90, or 120 minutes based on how much you liked them. If you didn't like them very much, 60 minutes, if you liked them a lot, it's two hours. It's a lot of music. You go and you get your Magnavox boombox out, right? You pull up the antenna. Kids don't even know what that is today. Pull up the antenna. You get the graphic EQ right. Make sure the bass boost is pressed. You know what I'm saying? Because you had to have the bass boost on. Otherwise, you'd be like, man, this sounds so empty. Bass boost. You know, you call into the all request hotline and put a shout out to your homies. You guys remember? You guys remember that back in the day? You get the dial, you start, you start working the dial. Start working the dial. I'm looking for the quiet storm. Looking for the quiet storm. Slow jams. Where are the slow jams? And what'd you do? You put the tape in, you hit play, record, and 
pause, right? Because you had to be ready. Because when the DJ came on and played your jam, you had to hurry up and unpause that. And so you get on the dial. You're working the dial. You're like, where's it at? Where's it at? Debbie Gibson, heck no, that could never be on a, on a this. Tina Turner, no, 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 we're not rolling anymore. Okay. New kids on the block. Secretly, I like them, but I could never put that on a mixtape. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, you're, the DJ would be talking, and all of a sudden your song would come on. You want to pause it and be like, ah, got it. But you had to stay right there because that DJ would just come back on right in the middle of your song. Didn't want to mix up your mixtape, and you pause it back. That's how you made a mixtape back in the day. Come on, somebody. You guys remember that? You put all kinds of music on there. Whoa, I'm halfway there. Coastal, you make me so proud. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, you, you would just mix it up on that mixtape. I just called to say, there we go, there we go. I like it, I like it. Now this one, it's going to require you to, to think a little bit. So I'm going to sing something. I'm going to tell you to do something, and then I need you to do it, okay? I need you to respond to it. So I want to know what love is. Husband, turn to your wife and finish it off. Okay, some guys that aren't married to some people are saying that to their, somebody next to them that they don't know. Creeper, okay. That's weird. This one's a little bit older. Maybe you'll know it. Might as well face it. Okay, there we go. Somebody's like, that's my jam. Love that song. Now, you got to understand, if you don't know these, I, I, I'm not mad at you. But you got to understand that it takes two to make a thing go right. <laughs> I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bates and I came to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone because I get... No, stop. That's all the unsaved people right there. Just want to know who you were. We'll, we'll pray for you. Some of you guys are like, what is going on? We're in Ecclesiastes right now. You don't even know it. And... Uh, we're, we're preaching. Um, we're going to have fun in this series. I, I promise you every week it's going to be like this. I have so much music in my mind. I can't even help it. But uh, you start thinking back to those teenage years and the teenage love cycle that happened when you were in high school and junior high and during those formative years in life. And so many things played out that were so different. You know, we had unrealistic expectations back in the day. You know, back in the day, you knew when you were dating somebody because you'd go, oh, I'm going with that person. Like, I'm going with them. Today, we don't know what you're doing because they're your boo, they're your bae, they're your friends with benefits. They're, like, we don't really know what's going on. It's confusing. But there's unrealistic expectations. Teenage years, you had out-of-control emotions, poor communication. You talk, then you don't talk. You text, then you don't text. We didn't have any of that back in the day. We wrote notes. And then we folded those notes up as small as we possibly could with a little dovetail on it, and you pull that dovetail, and it's like, it's like seven pages double space, front and back, <laughs> declaring your love for one another. We had preconceived ideas, all these self-esteem issues. We live in a world where we just lack complete responsibility. And uh, what's funny is you look at this list of the teenage love cycle, and you go, man, that isn't the teenage love cycle. That, that's my, my love life today. <laughs> like those same things that 
were happening in high school are, are still happening today. And a lot of us, we've walked in here with, with some hurts and some brokenness and with unmet needs and uncommunicated expectations. And, and I believe that God has got something different for our relationships. They don't have to look this way. They can look completely different than this. In fact, in Genesis 2, 18, when God was establishing relationships, this is what he said. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. And every guy was like, amen. And uh, he says, so I will create a companion for him, a perfectly suited partner. And some of us, we've been going through life, and you're like, man, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that perfectly suited partner for my life. And maybe you find yourself, and you're 32, and, and, and you're like, that's what I want but it feels like I'm all the way back in high school reliving all the things that I thought I got past. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but 50, 60, 70 years ago, these, this, these relationship things that we're experiencing today weren't happening. It, life was way different. I mean, it, people that were married, a husband, he worked really hard to provide for the family. The wife, they took care of the home. They worked on their marriage. If they had problems, they worked it out. And then about 40, 50 years ago, the introduction of the rom-com came. You know, the romantic comedy? And kind of changed the game when it comes to relationships. Started building some things and giving some ideas that aren't very realistic. Like the idea of love at first sight. He sees her. She sees him. And there's instantaneous connection. And all of a sudden they're getting married. And you're like, why can't that happen to me? Because it's a movie. It has to be done in 90 minutes. And we get our ideas about love and our cultural norms for love from movies. And it's kind of funny. But it is so, so true. Think about it. They don't know each other. It's just summer. He sees her. She sees him. They fall for one another. Summer ends, she goes back to her life. What does he do? He writes letters. He writes letters. He writes letters. She doesn't get the letters. She comes from a wealthy family. And so she moves on with life. But he's poor. And he buys a house. And he works on the house. And he works on the house. And he works on the house. He writes letters. He writes letters. He writes letters. She doesn't get the letters. She meets an officer. He's handsome. They fall in love. I love you. I love you too. I've got to go back to this town. Should I be worried? No. Liar. <laughs> He's working on the house, working on the house, working on the house. Writes letters, writes letters, writes letters. He sees her. She sees him. I love you. I love you too. I hate you. I hate you. I love you. I love you. I hate you. I hate you. It rains. I love you. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. There's letters. There's letters. They get married. This is us. If you've never seen the notebook, <laughs> save yourself some time. I just made some ladies in here mad. <laughs> ladies, what was his name? What was his name? 
That's not his real name. <laughs> you want to know why they know that? Because they're, they're saying to their, their spouse, why can't you be more like Noah and fight for me? And he's like, because Noah's not real. <laughs> See, we believe some myths about relationships. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 2.1, it says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. And what happens is we have the truth of God's word that is telling us about how to have whole and healthy relationships. And then we have the world that's giving us all these other ideas. And the more that we get those ideas pushed on us, the more we start to drift away from truth and we start to believe the myths as truth when really they're lies. And I think that there's four major myths that we buy into today when it comes to relationships. So if you're taking notes, number one is this. If I find the right person, everything will be all right. If I just find the right person, everything is going to be awesome. They'll fix me. They'll love me. They'll appreciate me with all of my faults and everything. They're going to appreciate. <laughs> exactly. They're going to think my gambling addiction's cute, and they're just going to, you know, it's like, we believe that, though. We think, oh, they're just going to accept me for who I am, and they're going to love me in spite of all of my issues. And married people are like, ha, 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 you're crazy. Because we all know that that's not true. But that's how we think. And the idea is, is if I find the right one, everything will be all right, and it stays with us when we, quote, find the right one. And then when they start behaving in ways that we didn't expect them to behave, when they start doing things that we didn't expect them to do, we get to this point where we say, well, they just must not be the right one. See, that's the problem when we take our ideas of love from Disney. And I love Disney, but Disney's got some jacked up views of love. Beauty and the Beast. He's a beast who kidnaps her. Creeper. The little mermaid. She is a mermaid who hoards things. And she falls in love with a guy that she doesn't even know. Stalker. It just messes with us. And we think, a whole new world. A dazzling place we've never been. No, 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 same place. You just went on a vacation and had a ceremony, and you still can't do your checkbook. And you find out you have problems because you gave your heart to somebody that you wouldn't give your credit card to. Which leads us to myth number two. We just need passion and chemistry. We just need some chemistry and passion. It's what I'm looking for, and if I find the right one, I see them, and they see me. Man, it's just going to, it's just on. And you'll be like, love's got me looking so crazy right now. Love's got me looking so crazy right now. Crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> Little Beyonce in there. You, you just got to throw some, I know that's, that's 2000s, but.
think about every love song you've ever heard. It's all about your physical response. I get so weak in the knees, I can hardly sleep and lose all control and something takes over me. It's all about physical, right? Thank you, SWV. And because you jacked us all up by getting weak in the knees, TLC had to come out with, don't go chasing waterfalls. It's just wrong. Chemistry and passion, we think that that's it. Which will lead us to myth number three. We need sex. Some guys are in here like, TJ just got serious. <laughs> Listen, we got to talk about sex. I know I should go in salt and pepper right there, but I'm not. I'm going to save that for another week. <laughs> Listen, I'm not a crude and rude, nasty kind of guy, but listen, parents, you got you to gotta start talking to your kids about sex. Because if you don't talk to them about sex, listen, the world, TV, their friends, everybody else is going to tell them about sex. And what they're going to start to think is that this is just an old, archaic book that has nothing for them in life. When this book has so much for their life. And we need to get the truth of God's word in their life when it comes to the area of sex. Because we believe we need sex, so what do we do? We jump right into the relationship thinking, man, i got to test drive the car before I buy it because i got to know that it's good. And we go, we need sex. Listen, sex is not a need. Air, water, those are needs. Here's the problem. We take our relationship under the covers before it's ever covered by God. And what ends up happening is we end up broken and bruised and jacked up. Sex is not a need. Sex is a gift. And it's beautiful and it's amazing. And when, when God put Adam and Eve together, man, he struck a match there and a fire burned bright in the right context. And let me just tell you this, man. Fire, when it's contained in the right environment, is amazing. It'll bring warmth. It'll bring light. It'll bring comfort to you. But you let fire just run rampant, it will destroy some things. And some of us, we've been playing with fire thinking that I need sex and we're burning up. And we're burning up, and the world has taken something that was so beautiful and so awesome and broke it. And I meet so many people as a pastor that have issues because of the sexual past and things that have happened to them and decisions that we've made. And we end up with relationship problems because we've only been focused on chemistry and passion. And a lot of us, were really good at chemistry and passion and sex, but we don't know anything about the person we're having chemistry and passion and sex with. And all of a sudden, we end up in relationship problems, which leads us to myth number four, is marriage is just full of drama. Because that's what we see. We just see drama everywhere. They fight, they scream, they throw things, and then they make brown chicken, brown cow. Brown chicken, brown, brown, you know that. <laughs> and then they think everything's all good. Because now, oh man, we're back to chemistry and passion and sex. And so, so while we have problems, let's solve those problems by bringing a little baby into it. Because there's nothing like bringing an innocent human being into your dysfunction. And see, what the God fails to realize is that for the next nine months, her body changes. 
And things start happening, and he's looking for chemistry and passion in the relationship. And all she's thinking about is, can I get some Dairy Queen with pickles? She's, he's like, where is the chemistry and passion? She's like, can, I, can a sister just put her feet up? And so there's tension in the relationship, and he goes to work the next day, and he's walking in, and there's a new girl, and he's like, hi. And she's like, hi. <laughs> and he's like, there it is. That's what I've been missing. And he goes home, and there's all this tension in the relationship. He gets up the next morning. He puts on the best shirt that he has, and she's like, why are you dressing up? And he's like, babe, you know the preacher says you got to dress for where you're going, not where you are. And he walks in, and he sucks in his gut, and he's like, Hey, she's like, hey, and he's like, there it is again, chemistry and passion. Because I don't have that at home, she must not be the one anymore, she must be the one. And he thinks that that will bring him everything he needs, and that'll be his answer. We start looking for an outside solution to an inside problem. We build our relationships on all of the wrong things. We start our relationships off and we, we build them all on this physical happiness component. The, the semicolon never really had much of a point until this came out in social media. The winky face. Here's what we do. We, we start to get physical in a relationship. This is how most people build their relationships. They, they're physically attracted to somebody else. They, they start physical in that relationship, and it, it's what feels good. It's what makes them happy. And all of a sudden, the next thing they go to is they get emotional with that person. And I don't know if you remember this, but in the, the very beginning of your relationship, do you remember when you first started dating the person that you're with that you just could not wait to get home from work so you could give them a phone call? You'd be like, hey, what are you doing? I'm listening to music. What are you listening to? In sync. I love them. We know God loves them. And guys do crazy things in this stage. Like a guy will go and write poetry to his girl. He doesn't know how to write poetry, so he goes on to Google. And he Googles something obscure and then takes it as its own. Come on, you know it's true. In the emotional stage, here's, here's the deal. You act upon what you already know in your own experiences. And in this point, you are getting the best version of that other person that you're ever going to see. You're getting the, the absolute epitome of who they are. And so what we do is we create a persona for them of who they are based on all the other relationships that we have. And all of a sudden, we start to project that on them. And, and, and we start to say things that are very, very emotional, like, this is how you know you're in the emotional state. You'll say things like, I've never felt this way about somebody. Never. And then what will happen is we'll start to take the relationship social. We'll start to introduce them to some friends of ours and, and go, hey, man, you need to meet my friends. And, and your friends will be like, man, I love them. And then three years later when you get a divorce, they'll be like, I knew they were crazy. Not a good friend. 
In this stage, typically you'll have, you'll have like one family member that'll be like, you know, there's, there's something a little off with that. There, you, you better watch yourself. And you'll be like, but you don't know. You don't know what we have. And you'll defend that. A lot of people get married in this stage. Hashtag, we're going to stay together forever. Then what happens is a lot of people, they, they move on to the next phase, which is the interpersonal phase. This is, this is where uh, you, you start to realize uh, that the person you're with is not the person you thought you were with. Married couples are all like, yeah, I, I know that stage. It's like when they do things and you're like, what are you doing? That's weird. <laughs> this is also the, the stage that kind of the in love phase starts to fade out. You go from we're so in love to I love them, but I'm not in love with them. You want to know why that is? Because psychology actually says that this emotional stage lasts about 6 to 18 months. And so that persona that you've given them, all of a sudden, it's, that shine is starting to wear off. And you're like, who are you? Because you can never keep up with that in love phase. It would be weird if like one person was in the in love phase and the other one wasn't. They'd be like, <gasps> do you have to go? Yes. <laughs> you just don't feel the same way I do. You're right, I have work. <laughs> this is also called the psychological phase. It's where you start to learn about, you know, their beliefs, how they want to raise kids, what their political backgrounds are, uh, how, how, how they manage their finances. It's also called the psycho stage. A lot of people get married here, and what ends up happening is there is a, a ton of hurt and pain and brokenness. And then what happens is, is people get to this point where their relationships aren't going well. And they go, man, I better go to church. And I want to see what God says about this. And so we walk into church and we walk into church with all this guilt and all this shame and all this pain. And it's so heavy and it's so overwhelming in our life. And it's, it's almost burdensome. And a lot of people, what they do in this point is they say, you know what, when I go and fix everything, I'm going to come back to God. And that's exactly what the enemy would have us do. But God, God doesn't want to throw weight on your life. That isn't God's plan. In fact, God says something a little bit different. He says, listen, I don't want to be a burden to you. I don't want to overwhelm you. In fact, Jesus said this, come all to me are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest God says why don't you come and sit and get to know me and get to know who I am and what I want to do and and I know you've been looking to find the other half to complete you but why don't you become complete in me so you don't need another person to complete you because no other person can complete you but me and if we'll start to build our foundation on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, which, which by the way, he says uh, in, in 1 John, we love each other because he first loved us. 
See, we can't even experience true love until we have true love in our life, which starts with a relationship with God. You can't give and receive perfect love until you have perfect love in your life. And no person is going to be able to give you perfect love because they're jacked up. And so God says, man, why don't you come and take some stuff off and sit with me and let me start to do a healing in your life. And then as you do that, what you need to do is, is right away you need to go and you need to get into some good, healthy relationships in life. Hurry up and jump into those so you can surround yourself with some people that will encourage you to continue to pursue God. And I realize that there's some people here that, that their marriage is jacked up and you're like, but TJ, how do I fix my marriage? Listen, you start right here. Stop trying to find the right one and start becoming the right one. Stop trying to go and look for somebody to solve all your problems when the one that can solve your problems is the Lord God Almighty. And he wants to solve our problems, but we got to start with him and we got to get into some relationships. We got to get around some people that will encourage us and build us up. So, one of the reasons why we do connect groups here get into a relationship connect group. You're married, go hang out with some other good marriages. Stop hanging around with the person that says, dump that joker. That's not a good relationship. Listen, if you're married in here, you have a great relationship, you've probably learned some things that are common sense to you, but aren't so common to other people. Help some younger marriages out. We need your wisdom and input. Listen, you're single in here, get into a connect group because you just never know. You might find that person. And after you start doing that, what you do is you take it interpersonal. You start to, you start to learn uh, about who they are. So you have friend, you got a relationship with God, you got friendship. All of a sudden you start to get to know them. You start to get to know their beliefs, uh, their, their relationship with God, their friendships, what they do for a living, how they manage money. Notice this entire time, we're not putting emotion into the relationship at all. We're holding that at bay because the Bible tells us to guard our heart above all else. And so we're guarding our heart as we're growing in relationship. We're seeing, man, there's some compatibility. We have the same hopes. We have the same dreams. All of a sudden, we start to introduce emotion into the relationship. And all of a sudden, we start taking it to the level where we're ready to get married. We get married, then we bring Mr. Winky Face into the program. This is how you're supposed to do it. But so many of us, we, we, we don't do it this way. And I know some people in here are going, but TJ, you don't understand. My marriage, I, I, we're already married and it's jacked up, so I can't go back and redo this. And I'm emotionally erect right now. Listen, don't start here. Go back down to here. You start right here. You start with your relationship with God. But TJ, you don't understand what he does to me. Listen, you're not emotionally ready to handle that situation. Because you can't have emotional healing until you have spiritual healing. And when God heals you spiritually, he can move you on. But you don't understand, my, my partner, he won't get help. Listen, the Bible says two become one. You're one flesh. So you start going to God, you start praying for him, not complaining about him, praying for him, and you let God speak to him on your behalf. And as you do that, what you'll start to see is God starts working on his heart. You'll start building a friendship again. All of a sudden, you'll start relating, seeing the differences and appreciating them. Emotions will come back into the relationship. Then everything goes all good. That is how it works. See, here's what we need to recognize. We need to start realizing that we've got to stop trying to find the right one. And you and I, we've got to start becoming the right one. 
We've got to become the person that God has called us to be. There's a story that Andy Stanley tells in his book, Love, Sex, and Dating, uh, the, the new, the new, I forget the name of it. It's a, it's a great book, though. Every single should read it. Every married person should read it. I read it on our vacation. It's great. Um, but he tells this story. He was doing a, a, a study group with a whole bunch of people in his church getting ready to write this book. And he said in this focus group, one of the girls started talking about how she grew up. And she says, as I was growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up, and, and I knew everything that I was supposed to do. But when I went to college, I kind of went a little crazy. Started partying, started doing all kinds of stuff. And after I graduated college, I started my career, and I had this great group of friends. And we were out one night, just hanging out, and a guy showed up that I'd never met. And he's good looking, and so I was like, man, who's that? I want to get to know him. And as we talked throughout the night, like, I, I was extremely attracted to this guy, and the next weekend, she was at her home hanging out with her mom for the weekend. And she started telling her mom about this guy. She's like, Mom, I met this guy. This guy is, is unbelievable. He loves God. Uh, he's got a great job. He's got vision for his life. He knows where he wants to go. His values are the same values that I have. Mom, this is the guy that I could marry. This is the guy I want to spend the rest of my life with. And, and in the middle of her conversation, her mom goes, Baby, I just need you to stop it. And her mom says to her, listen, that kind of a guy isn't looking for a girl like you. She says, in that moment, I started bawling my eyes out. And I was so angry at my mom. But I also knew that what she said was true. See, a lot of us, we've become very hypocritical to want something in other people that we're unwilling to develop in ourselves. And instead of trying to go and find the right one, what we need to do is we need to start becoming the right one in our marriage, in our singleness. Maybe we're divorced and we want to get remarried. Maybe we don't ever want to get married again. We still need to become the one that God has called. So my question for all of us is this, is are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? Would you guys bow your heads and pray? Father God, we just come before you.